0: Welcome to the Roger Franklin Williams Show.
1: And this is my time. Keep it here as Roger talks about local and national issues important to you. Talking with the leaders and newsmakers in our community. We might have a little fun along the way. It's the Roger Franklin Williams Show. And now, here's
2: Roger. Welcome to the Roger Franklin Williams Show, a program that's dedicated to protecting preserving and defending America's founding traditions of God, family, and country. It's great to be with you today. We have a great show for you. It's always great to get together these few minutes we have every week to talk about the issues that affect us in our community, our state, and our nation. These are exciting times. They're exactly in fact, historic times and challenging times. And it's wonderful to be able to share my thoughts and um, hear yours as well on the on the Roger Franklin Williams show every week, and I really appreciate you for being there and listening. It's always great to hear from our listeners as well. We have a great show for you today. In fact, when we talk about the the foundation of America, uh, at the core of our of our program, one of the truly foundational elements of our country, building blocks of our country is the United States military. Obviously, if without the men and women in the United States military, we wouldn't be here. We never would have been established as a country, and we wouldn't be able to maintain our security and our freedom. We're pleased today to be joined by three outstanding individuals representing the United States Navy and specifically the United States Naval Academy. First of all, pleased to be joined once again by our good friend, Rich F. Sullivan. Rich, thank you for joining us.
3: Thanks, Roger. It's great to be here. Of
2: course, a former uh, uh, He's a a naval officer is also a blue and gold officer And we'll talk a bit more about his role as a blue and gold officer uh, Over the course of our program And of course a United States Navy veteran And a graduate of the United States Naval Academy We're also pleased to be joined Once again on our show by Midshipman second class Parker Place Who's a student at the Naval Academy Parker, great to see you again Thanks Roger, it's great to be back And joining us uh, on the program today also Is Desiree Dantes-Steakow and she is a midship and second class at the Naval Academy as well. Desiree, thank you for joining us.
4: Thank you for having me.
2: And why don't we start right now, we'll go to Rich O'Sullivan. And, Rich, first of all, t- talk to us a little bit about your role and the things that you do as a Blue and Gold officer representing the United States Navy.
3: Yeah, thanks, Roger. Um, the Blue and Gold organization is, we are an outreach function of the Naval Academy Admissions Department. So we actually work for the Admissions Department of the Naval Academy. And what we do is we, we reach out to high school students. We're each assigned anywhere from one to, say, maybe as many as five high schools that we work with. And we work specifically with the students that are interested in applying to the Naval Academy. And uh, a lot of people out there don't understand what a complicated process it is to actually complete your admission and, and get an appointment to the Naval Academy. It's It's very, very selective, and it's a lot of red tape. So we help them cut through the red tape. We mentor them. We answer their questions, and uh, specifically, we do their official interview. So we'll interview them, and then we'll submit that, and that becomes part of their admissions packet.
2: A question I was going to ask later in the show, but I think it's appropriate to ask right now right at the top. I'm sure that we have listeners who uh, would aspire to attend the Naval Academy, um, or certainly their parents and relatives would like to see them. Um, pursue that path, what what, what should they do? Uh, say there's a, a young person out there in junior high or, or early years of high school that, w- that would like to attend or pers- uh, learn more about attending the Naval Academy. What what steps should they take?
3: Excellent question, Roger. Um, the, the admission standards, uh, actually the, the best place to start uh, would probably be to just go on our website, usna.edu and then slash admissions. And that uh, that opens up a whole wealth of information. Um, in general, though, what what we encourage, what what all the service academies look at, is we call the whole person concept, which means we're looking for somebody that's strong academically. Um, SATs probably in the 600s or higher, if if possible. Um, strong in athletics. Uh, we have a lot of varsity uh, high school athletes that that uh, apply and get gain admission. You don't have to be a varsity athlete, but it certainly helps. And then strong in uh, what we call leadership, whole man. Uh, extracurricular activities so we're looking for students that go the extra mile that that are involved in uh, maybe president of the ecology club maybe a member of their student government National Honor Society things like that that show that you've got that you're interested in, in active in leadership roles
2: and we're as I mentioned we're joined by Parker Place on our program today and Parker of course attends a Naval Academy at Parker it's great to see you again tell us a little bit about uh, your year since you joined us last on the show Thank you, Roger.
5: Uh, I've had a great last year. Uh, This past summer, I got the opportunity to go to London for three weeks to study the British legal system with one of my uh, political science professors over there. I also, we went through a training this past summer called Prochimid, which is four weeks at uh, Naval Station Norfolk, Virginia, um, where we learned about the different careers of the Navy. We spent a week with the aviation community, a week with the submarine community week on a ship, and a week with the Marine Corps to help you decide your what your future career path will be. And then August came and and was back to school, and school's been good, sticking with my economics courses. So life's great, Roger.
2: And, Parker, when did you decide or when did you begin to think about that you might want to attend the Naval Academy and that a, a career in the Navy is a, a goal that you would want to aspire to?
5: I started thinking about it in about ninth or 10th grade. I've always had uh, a desire to fly and uh, be a pilot in the military. I think I got that from my dad. My dad uh, flew in the Marine Corps for nine years. And uh, when I was a senior in high school, just applying to college, the Naval Academy seemed like a great fit for my interests and to achieve my goals. I wanted to be around like-minded people who are motivated morally, mentally, and physically, uh, like myself. And so the Naval Academy just seemed to be the best fit.
2: And well. Go back to Parker Place a little bit later and talk about some of his activities um, and other accomplishments as a midshipman, second class at the Naval Academy, and also what, uh, some of his goals for once he graduates and enters the Navy as an officer. But right now we want to go to Desiree Dantes' stakeout. And Desiree, can you tell us about uh, when did you first decide that you wanted to possibly pursue the Navy as a career?
4: Um, I think I've been uh, per- trying to pursue the Navy all my life. My dad was enlisted 20 years. Um, he came to the United States, so I'm a first-generation American. And I wanted to give back um, for all the opportunities that the Navy has given my family.
2: And what what was the process that you went through once you decided, yeah, I think I might like to uh, ap- apply or you know, try to go to the Naval Academy? How did you get started? And describe your um, process mm-hmm. a little bit to us.
4: So I was a rower at Winter Park. Uh, I talked to the coach. So I first started uh, with rowing. And then I started my application process after that. And uh, I worked with my Blue and Gold officer, got a nomination, and got in.
2: Very interesting. Friends, you're listening to the Roger, Frank, and William show, and we have special guests today, members uh, representing the United States Navy, and specifically the United States Naval Academy in Annapolis. Pleased to be joined by Mr. Rich F. Sullivan, a Blue and Gold officer, a Navy veteran, and a former gra- a graduate of the United States Naval Academy, also by midship and second class, Desiree Dante Steckow and Parker Place, who currently attend the Naval Academy. Now, let's go back to Parker. And, you know, you, um, as you've told us before, you were very active um, in cross country in, um, in high school at Trinity Prep. And you're actually a two time state champion in cross country. And, uh, now you, you did you pursue, uh, you, know, run, you know, at,
5: um, varsity athletics at the Naval Academy, and uh, just tell us about that that experience. Yes, Roger. So uh, I ran cross-country and track my first two years at the Naval Academy. Had a fantastic experience. It was awesome competing at the Division I level. Uh, decided not to come back running this year, but I'm still close with a lot of my teammates. And uh, shout-out to them. They made it to nationals two weekends ago, and uh, Navy was 26th in the nation. First time we've made it to nationals, and I'm pretty sure 17 years, so... Navy's got a great cross-country program, as well as all their Division One athletics.
2: Yeah, it's also, as a college football fan myself, it's great to see the Naval Academy, the success they're having at football, and have had for the last uh, number of years now. In fact, they uh, defeated Notre Dame this year, which yep. uh, I think brought a smile to, to a few faces as well. And it's a very impressive win, of course.
3: Yeah, that was, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, the third victory we've had in the last 54 years. So, <laughs> Notre Dame's had our number, but it was, it was a great game, and Boy, it looked like we were going to give it away at the end, and we, we completed that pass on fourth down, which is just amazing. One of the things that uh, I wanted to mention, too, is that a lot of people don't realize that the service academies all play D1, Division I uh, athletics, and they all do extremely well, considering the fact that, uh, A, they're small, about 4,000 in each of the service academies. And, of course, none of their students can go on to the pro level immediately upon graduation. If, they, if they're that good, they're still going to have to do their 5 years service. So uh, the Naval Academy, actually, uh, we rank number three in the country behind Ohio State and Stanford for the most number of D1 varsity-level teams. We have 35 teams uh, at the D1 level.
2: No, that, that's great information, and uh, no, it's a very impressive athletic department, especially expressive football program. I want to clarify what I said about uh, Navy beating Notre Dame, bringing in a few smiles to faces. That was n- nothing against Notre Dame at all. I respect Notre Dame and like Notre Dame, but I'm, what I meant was that's a very, just a very impressive Victory by, by Navy, as as what uh, Rich alluded to, it's not exactly a level playing field. I mean, Navy goes into that game as a decided underdog every single year, um, and it's it's uh, it's it's just kind of
5: gratifying to see Navy you know come out with a win. And I was at that game in Jacksonville. I traveled down to the game, and it was a fantastic game, super atmosphere, tons of fun in the Jaguars Stadium. So great time.
2: Let's go back to Desiree Dante Stakeal and. Desiree, can you talk, just describe, you know, like your typical uh, day uh, as a as a midshipman second class at the Naval Academy?
4: Yes. Yeah, so um, your mornings can start as early as five or as late as seven. You have formation at seven o'clock, and then you have breakfast. Classes will start at seven forty-five, and then we'll have noon meal formation at twelve, and then lunch. Classes will resume at thirteen twenty, one twenty for those who don't do military time, um, and then classes will end at three twenty in the afternoon. From there we have athletic uh, period which is basically people go to their practices or they do intramurals with their companies and then dinner is at six and then we have study period from eight until eleven
2: It's one of the things that that is an outsider I mean, I've my impression at least uh, of, of the Naval Academy is that it's a, a grueling experience in terms of just uh, you know the, the amount of work that's required and, and all, on everything that's required. Uh, how would you describe it, uh, Parker? I mean, what, what is it? I mean, from your perspective, I mean, uh, I, I'd say more ch- challenging might be a better word than grueling. But I mean, I'm sure it's a, it's certainly not an easy uh, you know row or easy
5: way to go, go to attend college compared to I guess the, the other the civilian college experience. Yes, Roger. There there definitely is a lot expected of us and a lot on our plate between academics, athletics, and then just basic navy uh, navy and military obligations that you have to fulfill every day. Um, but I think that that's kind of the, the purpose of the Naval Academy is to overload you and to show that you can operate under that stress and operate under that uh, lack of, lack of sleep is another huge thing that plays in uh, because it prepares you for what life will be like as an officer in the Navy. So,
2: well, we're up on our first break. It's great to have you joining us, our guests once again representing the United States Navy and United States Naval Academy, Rich O'Sullivan, Blue and Gold officer in the Navy, a graduate of the United States Naval Academy and two current midshipmen second class representing the Naval Academy, Desiree Dante Stekow and Parker Place. We'll come back. We'll be uh, Rich and Desiree and Parker when we come back from our break. Before we go to break, I want to remind you that our program is sponsored by Dr. Patrick St. Germain, St. Germain Chiropractic, and BurnFatOrlando.com. Dr. Patrick St. Germain, proud to be voted best chiropractor for now five years in a row. Please stay with us. We'll be right back on the Roger Franklin Williams Show. Porky's Real Pit
1: Barbecue has a huge announcement. The Hump Day special, special is back, but they ran out of room on the menu, so now you've got to ask for it. The Hump Day, Day Special. That's Porky's famous jumbo pulled pork sandwich. Your choice of two of Porky's celebrated sides and a drink for just $6.75. But remember, it's not on the menu, so you've got to ask for it. I want the Hump Day Special. And for your business, corporate, or family event, have it catered by Porky's. Your guests will be so glad you did. Located in the heart of downtown Apopka, Porky's Real Pit Barbecue, 256 East Main Street. Hi, Jim. Something wrong with your garage door opener?
2: Nothing's wrong. I'm showing off my new smart garage door opener. A smart garage door opener? Yeah, I can open the door with my phone, turn off the lights. It's secure and easy. Jan loves it. We have smartphones, smart TVs, everything's smart, right? Well, most things. But now,
1: I have a smart garage door opener, thanks to Florida Door Solutions. It's time to get smart with your garage door opener from Florida Door Solutions, featuring LiftMaster with built-in Wi-Fi that connects to MyQ. It works from multiple devices, plus adapts to home security cameras. You can even check your door status from work. It's the smart way to go. Florida Door Solutions handles all the top brands, from Clopay, Liftmaster, Overhead Door, and more. And they've got the reputation for doing the job right the first time, providing doors and openers to some of the biggest projects in Central Florida, like the new Orlando Fire Department. Wow! A smart garage door. Think smart, be smart, Danny, with Florida Door Solutions. Call 866-FLA-DOOR or online at fladoor.com. All new Sunday morning at 10 on 1520
3: WBZW. Hi, this is Howard Garrett, the Dirt Doctor. The world is going green, so join me Sunday mornings when we explore organic gardening, landscaping, and pest control. We'll help you be healthier in a more cost-effective way. You can be part of the show as we take your calls, answering your questions with information and advice. Come learn a more natural way to live with me, Howard Garrett, the Dirt Doctor.
1: All new now Sunday mornings 10 to noon right here on a Apopka's Weekend Hometown Station, 1520 WBZW. Welcome back. Good to have you here for The Roger Franklin Williams Show. Central Florida's connection to news, views, and interviews. Important to you. And this is my town. And now, back to the studio, here's Roger Franklin Williams. Yeah, this
2: is my town. Welcome back to The Roger Franklin Williams Show. Hope you're having a great day today. Great to be with you. I want to thank you for the opportunity to join you as we talk about the issues that affect us in our community, our state, and our nation and of course, on our program, the Roger Frank and Williams Show, we do that from a perspective that honors uh, America's founding traditions of God, family, and country. Today we're speaking with members of the United States Naval Academy, Mr. Rich O'Sullivan, who's a blue and gold officer, and former graduate, a graduate of the United States Naval Academy. Also with Desiree Dante Stacau, who's a midshipman second class currently at annapolis and parker place also currently a midshipman second class at the naval academy and let's go back to rich o'sullivan and rich it's a kind of a nice contrast having you he was a you know a veteran naval officer um a, a graduate of you went to annapolis 40 about 40 years ago now and so the, <laughs> he's a current uh, midshipman second class joining us as well First of all, I'd like to go back, and what led you, in much different era, a much different time in America, to want to uh, pursue a career in the Navy and, and specifically attend the, in the Naval Academy? Uh,
3: well, that's that's kind of an interesting story, Roger, and I, I told it last year, so forgive me. <laughs> that's know, okay. We have again. new listeners every week. So. <laughs> but uh, Dad, my dad was a West Pointer, and uh, as part of his career, he taught at West Point. He was in a, a physics prof. He was an Army captain at the time. And so we were living at West Point, and he was the officer rep on the Army squash team. So whenever we played Navy and squash, he'd invite the cadets in the middies over to our house, our tiny little apartment, actually, and and have a little reception. So I got to meet some midshipmen, uh, and of course, they were in their service dress blues, looking very sharp. And uh, I actually have an anchor that one of the middies gave me off of his uniform uh, all those years ago. So I was always interested in the ocean, uh, loved everything to do with the sea, and uh, I I obviously had that military thing from dad, and uh, I got exposed to the midshipmen through those those things. So that was actually like third grade. So it was a long standing uh, dream of mine. Um, we talked about some of the opportunities that you have after you graduate. I was, uh, I, I came into the Naval Academy thinking I wanted to be a nuclear submariner. Um, so I, I felt like they were the uh, the elite branch of the service. Um, and as Parker mentioned earlier, I we had the same training that he had, where we we spent a week doing the different uh, warfare specialties that you can do after you graduate. So I, I went on board a submarine for a week and found out I'm claustrophobic. <laughs> <laughs> so I wound up being a pilot, and uh, it was it was great. I had a great twenty year career flying for the Navy.
2: Now, can you talk about? And I know you, you obviously stayed close to the academy, serving as a blue and gold officer, helping to mentor you know young people such as Desiree and Parker. Uh, what and so I know you've got a, a great insight into the academy today how, What are some of the changes and how is the academy different than, than forty years ago when you were a midshipman
3: well uh you know we we like to say that back in those days uh, ships were wood and men were iron but uh, in reality, the academy is is night and day different from when I went through forty years ago. Um, and one of the things as a blue and gold officer that they do to try to keep us current is every five years we go up and spend a week at the academy and get briefings from everybody, from the, the superintendent to the academic dean to the uh, admissions dean, uh, the commandant, and so forth. So you really get a feel for how the place has changed. The biggest, the biggest change that I would say is the attitude. Uh, we know that we're only accepting the very, very cream of the crop. Uh, we had over 17,000 applicants for the class that just entered this past summer. Of those 17,000, we, we offered appointments to 1,170, uh, 348 of whom were, were women. So we're, we're only taking the very best. And the attitude now is, hey, we know that you're the best. We want you to succeed. We want you to graduate from this place. So our graduation rate is now up about 88%. When I went through, it was down around two-thirds. I can remember sitting there after having uh, been, or actually right before having been sworn in, and uh, we were in this big uh, group of, of new uh plebes coming in and to come to court and the commandant was briefing us and he said, Okay, I want everybody to look to your left and look to your right because one of the three of you is going to be gone by the time you graduate. And that was their whole attitude back then is, hey, we want to weed you out. So I think that's it's it's a it's an amazing difference in just culture and attitude. The other thing of course is is women, uh as I was mentioning earlier, my senior year was the first year, forty years ago, that we had uh female midshipmen at the Naval Academy. And we we probably had about thirty or forty um and we really didn't know how to handle them, uh, and so we just kind of learned as we went along. But back in those days, the opportunities for females, uh, for women officers, were extremely slim. They they couldn't be on anything that involved combat. So no combat ships, no combat aircraft, not no submarines, no Marine Corps infantry. Uh, nowadays, and Desiree can talk to this more. Uh, it's it's wide open for them. So they've really they've really become an integral part of the academy. Um, I don't think. You know, as far as midshipmen uh, training goes, there's absolutely no difference between what they do and what the uh, what the males do. And I think we've got a lot of uh, females that are in leadership positions within the brigade. I don't know. Do you want to talk about that, Desiree?
2: Yeah, let's go to Desiree Dante-Stick-Allen, who's currently a, a midshipman second class at the Naval Academy. Yeah, Dante. Can you describe your experience and what some of your, your your goals and um, you know, your aspirations are once you graduate and and become a full-fledged naval officer?
4: Uh, yes. So, like Mr. Osullivan was talking about, um, the communities for the women right now are open basically in all the communities. Um, I know for my class, the seal screener was open to women, and I know a female midshipman who got EOD this year. So, even the special warfare community is open, and I know all the other communities are open now. Um, my aspirations is to be a Navy or Marine Corps pilot. Currently,
2: outstanding. Now let's go back to to Parker and um, can you talk about what what your aspirations are once you become a, a naval officer? Sure, thank you,
5: So I, as I uh, mentioned earlier, my my dad was a pilot in the Marine Corps. So the past couple years, I, I've always known I wanted to fly, but I definitely wrestled with the question of Navy or Marine Corps. But that the the training that I did this summer, where we got. Uh, exposure to the different warfare communities kind of showed me that I would rather be a Navy pilot than a Marine Corps pilot. So I'm, I'm hoping to be a pilot in the Navy and fly jets upon graduation. So.
2: And that, uh, that's a great point you made, and it, it, it raises a question I'm sure a lot of people have, especially civilians. You know, the the Navy has pilots, the Marines have pilots, and the Air Force has pilots. Can you describe a little bit of the difference of roles between the, the three branches?
3: Well, I'll, I'll let Parker and Desiree uh j- jump in on this one, too. But uh, interesting point, and I didn't realize this. I, I just picked it up in some training that I went to, but the Naval Academy actually produces more pilots than the Air Force Academy, which is an amazing <laughs> stat when you think about it. But if you look at the, the number of actual cockpit seats in the Navy and the Marine Corps, we have more. Now, a lot of the Air Force uh, grads, unfortunately, are, well, maybe fortunately, I don't know, are going to, to fly drones right out of school. So they'll, they'll be getting a, a cockpit seat hopefully later in their career. But I think that's that's an interesting stat. So, yeah, we have uh, – that. that's one of the things that I think is unique to the Naval Academy is that we really offer everything that all the other services do. So if, you, if you're inclined towards an Army lifestyle, i.e. infantry or tanks or something like that, you go in the Marine Corps, you're doing exactly what the Army does, only they're a little bit smaller and maybe a little bit more, if you ask them, elite than the Army. And then, again, we've got Navy Air, we've got submarines, we've got ships, and we have a lot of uh, sort of uh, – less common things that you can do. You can you can go be a, a special warfare guy, like Desiree was saying, be a, a SEAL, a Navy SEAL, or EOD, which stands for Explosive Ordnance Disposal. Um, we take a, a small number of people directly into medical school. Uh, some go directly into uh, Supply Corps. Some go directly into uh, Civil Engineering Corps. So those, those fields are, are out there as well. So there's really a huge array of, of things you can do.
2: And, I mean, what... What is the difference between, uh, say, somebody who flies as a pilot for the Air Force and somebody who flies as a pilot for, for the Navy? I mean, do they, are there different kinds of of combat, if you will, or or, or is it just you know, one's one branch and one's the other?
5: Well, I'll let I'll let Parker answer that one. I know he can answer that. Oh, sure. So uh, the biggest difference is uh, Navy pilots are typically stationed on ships, carriers, or destroyers, or other ships, and they fly on and off the carrier. And then we have different aircraft in the Air Force, too, but the Air Force is typically stationed on the ground. Uh, around the country and across other countries, so uh, the Navy pilots have the ability to take off on and off a carrier, which uh, is a great skill to have.
2: Now we'd like to go back to Desiree Dante Stakeal, the Midshipman Second Class at the Navy Naval Academy. Now, Desiree, did you consider other colleges, um, or, did, or were you just totally focused on on the career with with the Navy and the Naval Academy?
4: Um, throughout high school, I did consider other colleges. I didn't consider any other. Uh, Military academies. So, Navy was my number one choice for military academies, but I did um, consider other colleges as well.
2: Let's go back to Parker and and Desiree. uh, Also, now you know, as when you were in high school and you were pursuing your 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 options for education to go to college, did were you ever did you ever think about you know if if I go to the Naval Academy? A military academy it, it might be tougher than something i, I want to do or it was that something it was even a consideration we'll go to parker first and definitely and
5: definitely roger uh i considered it especially senior year when i got into a few other civilian colleges and i only considered the naval academy out of the service academies also just because i knew that i wanted to be a pilot in the navy or marine corps if i went into the military um but my decision as i kind of touched on before came down to i i wanted to be challenged and uh I wanted to push myself. Uh, I go back to the mission statement of the Naval Academy. I wanted to push myself morally, mentally, and physically, and I felt that the Naval Academy was the best place that I could push myself in all three aspects of uh, of life. So Naval Academy was a great option for me.
2: We're good. Desiree?
4: Uh, I think I have the same idea um, throughout high school, and when it came down to the decision, I never wanted to just coast through life. I wanted to challenge myself and be around people who challenge themselves just as much as I do.
2: It's one thing that obviously that that's obvious is that the young people that aspire to go to a military academy or the naval academy obviously are very very mature. And I would say, uh, and I guess this is somewhat of a question for Rich, but I mean it's pretty obvious uh, that they're more mature than the, the typical you know young person or, or teenager or high school. Kid.
3: Uh, yeah, Roger. It's one of the one of the real gratifying aspects of being a blue and gold officer is getting to interview these these young people. And mentor them a little bit and find out what they're all about. And, uh, it's, it's truly impressive. I mean, I, I don't know if I could have gotten in, uh, today. You, you ask these kids, okay, you know, give me a run, run me through your daily routine as a high school senior, you know, and you're expecting them to say, well, I sleep in until nine. I show up for class if I feel like it. No, no, no. These, these kids are amazing. The stuff that they do. And, uh, it really renews your faith in this country that we're producing so many outstanding young people. You know, I think the millennial generation got a lot of bad press, but uh, there are some real superstars out there, and it's it's gratifying to be able to talk to them and help them out.
2: No, I'm sure. I'm sure that's one thing that's great about the role that you play as a blue and gold officer is you get to see these young people, outstanding young people, uh, on a regular basis, and it's got to be very uh, very positive.
3: Yeah. The, for you. Uh, the only thing that. Uh, that's sad in a way about my job is that i know when i'm interviewing these kids that some of them are just superstars but they're just not quite going to get there in terms of the academy it's it's just a very tough uh institution to get into but uh, i always encourage them and say hey if you if your goal is to serve your country and you want to be an officer in the Navy, there are a lot of different ways you can go to get there there's rotc programs that are fantastic there's officer candidate school a, a lot of different ways
2: We're going to open our next break. We'll be right back on the Roger Franklin Williams Show. Please stay with us.
0: And this is my turn. Your home and away voice of the Apopka Blue Darters. Your hometown station, 1520
1: WPZ. And now, here's Roger. And this is my turn.
2: Welcome back to the Roger Franklin Williams Show. Great to be with you today. I want to thank you for the opportunity to join you we talk about the issues that affect us in our community, state, and our nation. Today, we're talking with an outstanding group of individuals representing the United States Navy and specifically the United States Naval Academy. We're pleased to be joined by Blue and Gold Officer Rich O'Sullivan, a graduate of the United States Naval Academy, and by Midshipman Second Class Parker Place and Desiree Dante's stakeout. Before we go back to our guest, I want to let you know that, of course, Thanksgiving um, time and the holiday time, Christmas time, are times where wonderful memories are made and give us a chance to reflect on wonderful memories. And I know that many of us have, you know, have preserved those memories, but also preserved them in today's um, high-tech world on uh, digital platforms and in ways that are now outdated. And probably it's a dilemma. It certainly was a dilemma for me until I found the um, our friend Vito Fira. Of what to do with those uh, great memories that I had on a on a non functional format. Well, what you can do is you can take them to Network Sound and Video, Vito Fira. They've been in business over thirty years, and they can take anything that you have, whether it's eight millimeter film, six millimeter film, uh, VHS, the old VHS tape, in um, eight track cassette tapes, whatever you might have that you feel is is not up to, up to date and is basically non functional, and they can convert it to modern digital technology. And that can be once again part of your life. They can also restore, uh, tapes that are damaged and you might even think might not even be, uh, restorable. Well, I bet you they can, they can restore it. That's Vito Fira Network Sound and Video. You can, the best way to find them is right at NetworkSoundandVideo.com or they're also very conveniently located uh, at their physical location, which is over on Ronald Reagan Boulevard in Longwood next to the, the big tree area. That's Vito at Network Sound and Video, NetworkSoundAndVideo.com. It's where they make memories last. And tell them Roger Franklin Williams sent you. And I want to thank everybody that's been going. I talked to Vito the other day and said that we're getting a steady stream of customers from the Roger Franklin Williams show, and that's great to hear. Um, let's go back to Rich O'Sullivan, Desiree Dantes, Stakeout, and Parker Place representing the United States Naval Academy. And I um, it would Go back to Rich O'Sullivan. What else are some things that you'd like for our listeners to know about the academy? Well, Roger, um, I guess
3: a lot of people don't have the right uh, idea about what a service academy is. Uh, they think that uh, the, the students there are just learning how to march and salute and maybe shoot a rifle or something like that. Um, the Naval Academy, and actually all the service academies are, are about uh, equal, ranks extremely highly on a national level. Uh, on a national level, we were ranked the number one public school in America last year. Um, we offer 35 majors. So you're going to, everybody graduates with a bachelor of science. And that's because there's a heavy, uh, emphasis on science and engineering, which is considered essential for your career as a naval officer. But you can also major in, in things like economics, history, political science. Um, you can major in a language. You can minor in languages. So it's, it's an extremely, uh, extremely good, uh, academic environment. And for engineering, uh, what they call STEM, STEM courses, science, technology, engineering, math, uh, the Navy's, the Naval Academy's right up there, I would say, with MIT or Caltech. Um, and their facilities are just phenomenal. So, if you're looking for an amazing education, and by the way, it's, it's 100% paid for by the taxpayer. Uh, our midshipmen actually earn half the salary of, of an ensign. So you're getting paid a salary to go there. Now, you are earning it. Trust me, you are earning it. But, uh, it's, it's, It's a scholarship worth probably around $300,000 paid for by the taxpayers. So if you've got uh, a son, daughter, granddaughter, niece, nephew who you think has uh, an interest and is really good academically and and plays sports and so forth, you might want to mention the Naval Academy or West Point or Air Force because those are great ways to go.
2: And one of the things I'll just mention as an outsider, if you will, is back in the day when I was coming along, I knew some guys that played ball against even uh, one of our great players at Apopka High, Lehman Hall when he went to the, the he went to West Point, uh, but um he yeah, had a phenomenal, you know, career there, but uh I just started kind of googling some of those guys and, you know, looking up their, you know, some of these uh, fellows who'd been, you know, star athletes here in Central Florida and who chose the military academy and it's amazing to see the jobs of those guys and careers they've had after they completed their military service. So that's that's another uh, I'm sure that's another consideration as well is that once you go through and of course of course the focus when you go is to to have that military career and um, yeah, but but ultimately that's going to end uh, most likely if you survive. And um, you know, it's a uh, you know these guys uh, transition out of the military into the the top jobs it, literally in the country.
3: Yeah, that's that's uh, and and Parker, uh, I think mentioned the mission statement at the Naval Academy, and that's one of the things that's unique to the Naval Academy. And I would say probably the other service academies is they have a mission statement. And if you you can ask any student or professor at the Naval Academy what the mission statement is, and they know it. Uh, Which is amazing. I don't think you could go to a Harvard or Yale and ask a prof, what's our mission statement? They'd say, I don't know. my mission statement is liberalism, whatever. Um, But our mission statement. Go to the the safe area. Yeah, the safe. Where's my emotional support dog? Um, The second half of the mission statement is really interesting. It's the graduate leaders who are dedicated to a career of naval service and have potential for future development in mind and character to assume the highest responsibilities of command, citizenship, and government. That's pretty. That's a pretty powerful statement when you think about it. So we're trying to not just graduate naval officers. We're trying to graduate the future leaders of this country. And if you look at people, you know, we've had presidents, we've had uh, we've had members of Congress, senators, astronauts. We've had some pretty impressive people graduate.
2: Let's go to Parker Place, and I'd like to go back to. Uh, well, why don't we go? want. Uh, yeah, we'll go back to Parker right now. And as I mentioned before, I'm you know passionate follower of college football and. Love the academies because they have such rich history um, um, in their football programs, but yeah, I'm just very impressed that over recent years, uh, Navy has done so well in football, and actually has done you know much better than, than Army over the last I'd say 20 to 30 years uh, you know, on balance. Um, you know, just tell, tell share a little bit more about us with uh, with uh, about Navy football.
5: Yep, so I'm a I'm a huge Navy football fan. I've had the opportunity to go to two away games as I mentioned earlier this year. I got to go to the Tulane away game, which was in New Orleans, and then also the Navy Notre Dame game, which was in Jacksonville, got to travel to both those, and uh, we had a huge win against number six Houston uh, in Annapolis, where my fort- fortunately my family was there for that, and uh, one of the most fantastic football games I've ever watched and been to, and um, so that was awesome. It's great to see Navy back at uh, number twenty five in the college football playoff rankings that came out uh, last night. And uh, so I'm just loving Navy football this year, and uh, excited about playing SMU on Saturday, and then Army next weekend.
2: And I'd just like to ask both of you guys, or all three of you, actually. Um, I, it's just interesting to me that that you know, that's you know, kind of Army and Navy together in terms of you're playing Division One football, as you mentioned. Really, it's an incredibly un, uneven playing field. I mean, virtually every other Division One school makes uh, you know considerable exceptions. Even the, the academically oriented schools, most of them. Make exceptions for football players specifically um, to be able to come in and play, and that, that that don't meet the academic requirements, or even a lot of the other requirements of the normal uh, the, a normal student would need to get into the school. That's kind of just an accepted thing these days. But that's exactly the opposite at both Army and Navy, and you're and, and you're playing with uh, you know pretty much every time you go on the field against a Division I opponent, you're you're outmatched physically uh, in many cases dramatically. And so I, that's the reason, one reason I, I think that the success that the Naval Academy has in football is, is so impressive to me personally. But the question is, your Army hasn't fared as well over the last 30 years or so. And uh, do you guys have any thoughts on that? Well, I,
5: th- I think, uh, Coach, Ken, don't take any cheap shots, yeah. of course. <laughs> I think, uh, I'm just from an analytical <laughs> point of view, my, 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 uh, take on it would be Coach Ken Montalolo has, has, uh, inspired these players. They, they play with a ton of heart and, uh, they have this mentality that they're just, you know, taking their lunchbox to work and they're going to work every Saturday. And uh, they play with a ton of heart and they're they're confident in their abilities and um, they keep they keep going for it. You know that triple option that wears people down, especially the triple option that the Navy, Naval yeah, Academy. I think that
2: was is, a very very wise move that, that right, Paul Johnson actually Paul Johnson brought to, Johnson, the, to the
5: academy, yep, who now coaches for Georgia Tech. Georgia Tech now runs the triple option, but that triple option wears defenses down, especially in the second half. And a lot of uh, Division One Power Five schools. Who have impressive physical talent just aren't used to seeing that that run game that keeps hammering you play after play, and then they're so focused on the run that uh, Will Worth occasionally sneaks in that deep pass, and so their offense the offense has been firing on all cylinders this this season. Rich, I think
3: uh, Army's got a much better team this season. I don't know their record, but I know they've got at least five wins.
2: And uh, I'm, personally, I'm glad to see that. You, got, you guys might not be, but <laughs> well,
3: <laughs> as, you know, as I, as, I, as I mentioned earlier, Dad, is, my dad is a West Pointer, and uh, you know, it, it was it was a big rivalry for a few years. But now we're coming up on 14 in a row <laughs> if we win this one. So it's kind of a, a sore subject with him. So I don't even bring it up. But I. I hope it's a, it's always a good game because both teams get so keyed up emotionally for it, and anything can happen in that game, you know, because the, the players are just so jacked up. And Desiree can probably talk a little bit about how the whole atmosphere at the academy, you know, changes as it gets close to Army-Navy.
2: Yeah, please tell us about uh, the the atmosphere at the Naval Academy on, on the week of uh, Army-Navy football game. Yes, yeah, so
4: Desiree. Um, at the service academies, when we have games against the other service academies, we call it um, Army Week, so that's for the Army-Navy game, and then we also have Air Force Week against the air force um so everyone runs around has a fun uh they pull pranks on each other um to build camaraderie and spirit for the brigade it's really fun
2: and um yeah, i'm looking forward to the game this year especially especially since army's got got having a better season this year yep
3: yeah i think uh it's it, like i said it's it, it's you never know what the outcome of this game is going to be and i've watched some heartbreakers uh I watched a game in Philadelphia where we, we totally blew it, and Army scored it with like less than a minute to go, and, and won the game. So it's it's gone both ways, um, and we've had we've had our down times. It's 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 really nice that Navy's had a good team for a lot of years, but I can remember I've been a blue and gold officer for almost twenty years, and I can remember early on in my blue and gold officer career, uh, I was up at Annapolis with my wife, and we were walking around the yard, and I, I stopped a, a senior midshipman and just to just to talk with him and see what what was on his mind, and I said, how "Are you looking forward to the football game?" And this is a senior, mind you, and he goes, Commander, if we win this game, it'll be the first home victory that I've seen during my time at Navy. <laughs> That's how bad we were. So we went through some really bad times. And and you mentioned Paul Johnson. He came in and really turned that program around with a lot of recruiting, and he instituted a program. And, of course, Ken Newman Tololo, who's a phenomenal person and coach, was one of his assistants that took over. I and
2: mean, he's had sustained success Absolutely. Since he took over as well. You know, I think the triple option offense that Parker mentioned is, is a big part of it, because it's it's a unique offense that virtually nobody else really runs with an exception of here or there. So when teams, uh, even much more talented teams or higher ranked teams or whatever, uh, play you, I mean, they've got a, to- They've got something coming at them that they're completely not used to, which I think that helps to, helps to even the playing field a little bit. And, uh, the triple option is, is based on precision and discipline. And, and I think that's a big part of the equation, too. The Navy team in recent years out doesn't beat themselves, um, and they don't lose games by making mistakes. But we're, we'll put on our next break. When we come back, we'll continue to talk about the United States Military Academy with Richard Sullivan, Desiree Dante Stakeout, and Parker Place. We'll be right back.
4: And this is Matt. My-
1: this week. Enjoy the Festival of Trees going on at Apopka City Hall. Stopping during regular business hours. Look at the wonderful trees decorated by area businesses and organizations. You can even bid on them too. All the money raised goes to the Apopka Historical Society and the Museum of the Apopkins. Enjoy the City of Apopka for the Festival of Trees finale. Sunday night, December 4th with music and merriment and we'll find out who won the silent auction. It could be you. Stop by City Hall all this week for this year's Apopka Festival of Trees with the Apopka Historical Society, Museum of the Apopkins, the City of Apopka, and your Hometown Station, 1520 WBZW. Porky's Real Pit Barbecue has a huge announcement. The Hump Day Special is back, but they ran out of room on the menu, so now you've got to ask for it. The Hump Day Special. That's Porky's famous jumbo pulled pork sandwich. Your choice of two of Porky's celebrated sides and a drink for just $6.75. But remember, it's not on the menu, so you've got to ask for it. I want the Hump Day Special. and for and next business corporate, or family events, have it catered by Porky's. Your guests will be so glad you did. Located in the heart of downtown Ababka, Porky's Real Pit Barbecue, 2 6 East Main Street. Welcome back. Good to have you here for the Roger Franklin Williams Show. Central Florida's connection to news, views, and interviews important to you. And this is my. And now back to the studio. Here's Roger Franklin Williams.
2: Welcome back, the Roger Franklin Williams Show. It's great to be with you today. We've had a great group of guests joining us. The Joe Sullivan, career naval officer, blue and gold officer, for the United States Navy. Also, also graduated the United States Naval Academy, and two midshipmen second class representing the Naval Academy, Parker Place and Desiree Dantes-Steikow are joining us today and sharing their insights of what it's like to be a midshipman second class at the Naval Academy and their goals and aspirations once they become naval officers. Now, let's go back to Rich O'Sullivan, and, you know, I think it's very interesting. I think it's a great concept of the show today that we've got Parker and Desiree, who are embarking on the path that you took forty years ago, and can you share with us what a day in the life then and a day in the life now? Maybe.
3: Well, I can't really speak to a day in the life now, but uh, a day in the life then, um, and I I would venture to say it probably hasn't changed that much. But uh, we we typically uh, we're up fairly early. Uh, I don't think I don't really honestly remember PTing in the morning before class. uh, (laughs) So kudos to you guys for doing that we would typically get out of bed in time to, you always have to leave your room in in white glove inspection condition. So we'd get up in time to straighten up our room, get our uniform on squared away and make it downstairs just in time for morning meal formation. Then we'd go to morning meal, uh, which actually was optional if you were an upperclassman. So sometimes you'd skip that just so you had a little more time and then you'd go to your, your classes. And uh, one of the, one of the things that I want to mention is that every midshipman uh, takes 140 minimum credit hours, which is significant. And, We've got an 88% graduation rate, and these are kids that are doing it in four years. So if you look at uh, major colleges in the U.S., the, the graduation rate in four years is 29%. 29%, and these kids don't have half the load that the, the midshipmen and the cadets do at the service academy. So I think that's really impressive. And we were talking about how it's changed over the years. Uh, the amount of help that you can get if you're in academic straits at the academies is, is phenomenal. Our, our professors, we have a 50% mix between civilian and military professors. All our civilian professors are PhDs. The military professors have to have at least a master's degree. And they're all required to give any midshipman that requested extra instruction. So if, if you're struggling in a class, you can go up to your professor and say, sir, I need, I need help. And they're going to sit down with you for an hour and go over on a one-on-one basis. And I used to do, I was, I was taking Calc 3. I was an ocean engineering major and I was struggling a little bit. And this prof liked to give a quiz virtually every day. So I figured out the system. I'd go have EI with him over because my, my my period was the first one after lunch. So I'd have EI with him at lunch. He'd cover almost verbatim what was going to be on the quiz, and then I'd ace the quiz. So it was perfect. But it's it's a great system. And learn to be resourceful. Yeah. And and uh, w- when I was there, a lot of a lot of kids washed out for academics, and we didn't have a formal system of mentoring, which maybe Desiree can talk to. Now there's a, a formal system in place where you can you have peer mentors that are experts or, you know, good students in those subjects that can help you. With us, it was informal. Within our company, we maybe had a couple of guys that were engineers that were a year or two ahead, and sometimes we'd go for, to them if we had questions. But what's it like now, right?
4: Well, now we have um, different academic programs in place for extra instruction. So you have extra instruction with your professor that you can go to um, according to their appointment times. And then there's also the Academic Excellence Center, Um, And that has professors who don't teach classes, but have masters and PhDs in different topics that we're covering in class. So they're there every night um, from around eight to ten, helping you with homework. Also, there is the midshipman group study program, which is run by midshipmen, and it's basically midshipmen who did well in the course the semester before and who have tutoring sessions with students who take the courses now.
2: Now, Rich, can you speak to like the academics? That, uh, that are offered at the academy because, I mean, is there a specific the academic discipline at the Naval Academy? If, and I, I know in the past this might even be the case anymore, but I know historically, like uh, the West Point, it was very heavy on physics and chemistry and, and those kinds of things. Um, what, what, is, is the curriculum different at the Naval Academy? And if so, w- what what does the Naval Academy offer?
3: Well, I think probably either Parker or Desiree would be the better one to answer that question. When, the, the academies uh, back in the day didn't offer majors. Everybody took the same classes and you graduated with some blanket major, you know, engineering, whatever. Um, And and as I mentioned earlier, you know, today we offer, I think, 25 different majors, anything from aerospace engineering, ocean engineering, nuclear engineering, chemistry, computer science, cyber operations. Uh, The Navy's just broken ground on a a new cyber operations center and uh, it's going to be state-of-the-art. And everybody knows that cyber is the new battle space. It really is. But do you guys want to talk about you know, what, you know, the
5: majors in terms of, uh, you know, the question that Roger was asking.
2: Sure, sure. Did so Parker
5: first and then Desiree? There's a variety of majors offered. Um, as Commander O'Sullivan was saying earlier, there's a bunch of different engineering majors. The um, Naval Academy is, they, they uh, are math and science heavy, and uh, they require that two-thirds of their graduates are uh, math and science and engineering majors. But then there's also great humanities and social sciences majors, I'm an economics major and I've had some fantastic professors in that department. We also offer English and multiple variations of political science. You can also take Chinese or Arabic as a major. So they've definitely really expanded their uh, their academic uh, horizon since uh, Commander O'Sullivan was there, and especially in the past few years. Um,
4: yes. So we do have majors as well, but we also um, are still science and math-based heavy. Um, so I know everyone has to take chemistry. Physics, calculus. Um, right now, I'm taking electrical engineering, and the next semester I'm going to take thermodynamics. So, even though we do have humanities and social science majors, there is still um, a big push for STEM.
5: And you might so, so those those classes, those electrical engineering and thermodynamics classes that Desiree mentioned are are required for all Naval Academy graduates, uh, all all college graduates who hope to be officers in the Navy, because. Uh, they're just core curriculum, no matter what your major is, that are required to be an officer in the Navy or Marine Corps.
3: and You might want to talk about some of the professional courses that you have to take, like weapons oh, yes. and navigation and blah, blah.
4: Um, along with our core curriculum, we have to take classes that are geared towards um, naval. So we have, like, naval history. We have, um, let's we say, weapons.
5: Leadership and navigation and, also.
4: And ethics as well. So along with that, we have those are part of our core curriculum.
3: Talk, talk a little bit about the ethics department because that's, that's a huge thing that's, it wasn't around when I was there, Roger. Uh, of course we had an honor code and we still have an honor code, a very strong one, but, uh, there's a huge emphasis now on, on ethics.
4: Yes. Yeah, so we take ethics and leadership classes, um, every semester and it's basically teaching us how to deal with situations that we have in the fleet. So they like to say that the Naval Academy is like a leadership lab and this is where you kind of test out Different, t- different styles of leadership. So they teach us different styles. And um, when you're a senior as a billet, when you have a billet, um, you can try and figure out what works for you and what people will respond to. So they like to teach us um, different things about leadership so we know how to deal with it in the future.
2: Talking about the United States, United States Military Academy, excuse me, uh, Naval Academy on the Roger Franklin Williams show today. We're pleased to be joined by Commander Rich O'Sullivan, uh, Career Naval Officer, Graduate of the Naval Academy, and by Midshipman Second Class, Desiree Dante Stakow and Parker Place. Before we go back to our guest, I want to once again remind you that if you're looking for a place that will care for your car, truck, SUV, or other vehicle with old-school honesty, integrity, and dependability, I urge you to get over to see Demetrius and Odysseus Virgos at Sheeler Auto Repair. No job is too big or too small for the guys at Sheeler Auto Repair. You can trust the guys at Sheila Auto Repair. In fact, that's where I take my car. And they're located 1908 South Orange Blossom Trail, Popka, and be sure to tell them Roger Franklin Williams sent you. Now back to our panel, Commander Rich Sullivan, Blue and Gold Officer with the United States Navy, and Midshipman Second Class Desiree Dante Stakeout and Parker Place at, at the United States Naval Academy. Now I had a question, too. I know that when I read about some of the famous um, you know, military figures in our, our history, many of them, and I'm thinking specifically about General Patton, who was an Army guy, but you know, I just recently read the book Killing Patton, which is a phenomenal book um, about him. And I was, you know, it was kind of amazing about his knowledge of just uh, military history, both the United States military history, but also world military history. And um, you know, I was instrumental in some of the a lot of the successes he had as a general in World War II. Is or, or is military history? Is that something that's taught, uh, or na- history of naval battles or um, you know, world naval battles at, at the academy?
3: Uh, when I went, yes, every everybody had to take a course called uh, the history of sea power, and that was taught uh, during your freshman year. So I, I don't know. Has that changed? Is that still yes? Same? It's
4: a naval history for plebs.
3: So yes, the, the answer is yes, Roger. And um, I think there is a realization that uh, we need we need we need leaders who. Can't, you know, it's not just important that they be able to solve some kind of a huge equation in engineering. They need to be able to think and think critically. And a lot of that is tied in with, like you said, world history. Um, and I, I was lucky enough during my career to attend the Naval War College in Newport, Rhode Island. And uh, that's kind of a master's level program. And uh, we took we took courses uh, where we, we traced the history of warfare back from the, uh, you know, the ancient Spartans and the Athenians all the way up. And uh, it was really, really interesting and uh, thought-provoking.
2: We're down to about our last two minutes. It's been great to have, have you join us once again today. And I'll just, before we go, I ask each one of you to, to share any closing thoughts you have about the Naval Academy and what you would like our, our, our listeners to know. We'll start with Commander Rich O'Sullivan, Blue and Gold Officer.
3: Well, thanks. It's, it's just a privilege to be here. We thank you a lot, Roger, for having us on the show. And uh, it's, it's, it's great. This uh, program is, is called Op Info, where we have uh, handpicked midshipmen uh, doing uh, community outreach. during. Uh, they get a little bit of extra leave time over Thanksgiving. And uh, so Desiree and Parker are part of that program. They're, they're both just phenomenal. They've, they've each visited five or six different uh, local high schools and, and talked to the kids. And it's, it's just impressive, uh, their command, their their confidence, their ability to talk to groups. And uh, it really makes me proud. So, again, uh, thanks for having us. We wish everybody a great Thanksgiving. And uh, go Navy.
5: Thanks, Parker, Commander. Parker, please. Thanks, Commander. Yeah, it's been, it's been fantastic participating in op- Operation Information. I got to do it for my second year this year. I love working with the high school students and feeling like I have an, an impact in their college selection process. Uh, so, happy Thanksgiving.
2: Once again, great to have you join us again, Parker. Thanks, and, Roger. And Desiree,
4: Dante Steakhouse. Yes, thank you for having me. It's been an amazing experience doing Operation Info um, and working with all the Blue and Gold officers around this area. And also meeting with all different uh, kids around the area who are looking to be in the military. Um, my advice to them is just do your best and do challenging things.
2: Great advice. Well, I want to thank all of you for joining us. I want to thank you for your service. You're the ones that make our freedom and our security possible, and we thank you and appreciate that very much. And I also, as we close, I just had a, we talked briefly about the Army-Navy game. I saw a great quote about the Army-Navy game, and I'd like to close our program with today. Of course, wish everybody a happy Thanksgiving weekend. Um, is The Army-Navy game is the only game where every member on the field has pledged to give their life for those in the audience. Thank you for joining us. Thank you, Rich, Parker, and right. Thanks, Roger. <laughs>